Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Grindhouse, where we drink coffee and talk about movies. My name is Leah Diana, and with my co-host and boyfriend, Sean Tatro, we will be winding back the reel to 1942, where a cynical nightclub owner tries to decide whether or not to help his former lover and her fugitive husband escape the Nazis in Casablanca. Let's get into it. Oh. Casablanca, city of hope and despair, located in French Morocco in North Africa. The meeting place of adventurers, fugitives, criminals, refugees, lured into this danger-swept oasis by the hope of escape to the Americas. But they're all trapped, for there is no escape. Against this fascinating background is woven the story of an imperishable love and the enthralling saga of six desperate people, each in Casablanca, to keep an appointment with destiny. I was willing to shoot Captain Rhino, and I'm willing to shoot you. All right, Major, you asked for it. You knew how much I loved you. How much I still love you. about you than you suspect. I know, for instance, that you're in love with a woman. It's perhaps a strange circumstance that we both should love the same woman. What do you want for Sam? Don't buy and sell human beings. That's too bad. That's Casablanca's leading commodity. You can ask any price you want, but you must give me those letters. That's all right. I tried to reason with you. I tried it. Now I want those letters. You dirty cocksuckers. Tell all your brave loving friends I want them out of the city now! The nightmare of insane murder. From the depths of hell. feel about black and white films i think it is the greatest thing in the world i wish they would make more black and white films i think the only two recent black and white films i know of is the lighthouse which is the same director that did the witch oh god and uh, there was a like a murder mystery within the last decade that was all black and white i forget what it was named 
Um, but you can see it. You know what I'm talking about, right? Maybe, yeah, maybe I two can't, decades ago. I can't think of which which film but you're that's talking it. about. Not enough people utilize black and white, and I think that's wrong. You need to utilize black and white in movies. I love it. I yeah, I'm personally a huge fan of the way black and white looks. Mm. Um, visually, you get so much more contrast. Things look. I don't know. They they look so much more like darker and moodier in black and white than you get with color. You can try yeah. your best to light it with co- uh, in color to get across the same feelings, but it'll never give you that same atmosphere. Especially in a movie from the 40s where the emotion is not conveyed in the lighting and the costuming. It is conveyed in the acting and how well these people portray their feelings on their faces and with their body language. Yes. Um, there's been a few instances in recent history where, like, other than The Lighthouse or um, the other film that you were talking Whatever about. Whatever film I can think of. Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> where filmmakers have wanted to use black and white. Um, two examples that come to mind are recently Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, really? And Frank Darabont's The Mist. Both of those uh, movies were made originally with the intention that they wanted to do it in black and white. So why didn't they? Uh, Honestly, studios make the final call because uh, they're paying for everything. And color sells more. Most people don't want to go see black and white. Fuck studios. However, uh, with both of those movies on Blu-ray, you can watch the whole film in black and white if you want. That's awesome. And for me personally, The Mist is so much better in black and white. Is that The Mist that I'm thinking of? Stephen King's The Mist? Yes. Oh, that's terrifying in black and white. It's so much better. And Is uh, that in the 90s? No. That was 2000. Oh. I apologize. Did you, did you just get a text message from someone? I got a message, someone? yes. From someone we know? I think it was Mr. Bussy. Oh. Good morning. I hope the hangover isn't too bad because we saw that you were partying on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> That'll date when this guess <laughs> um, comes out. Anyway, uh, personally, I think that black and white is a very underutilized thing today. It really is. Um, I have always wanted to make something in black and white. I did once um, for a stu- uh, my final project in college. Was that one of the violence ones? Yeah. Yeah. But it, um, I chose to do more of a Sin City kind of thing with that, and I had like the color red be very prominent while everything else was black and white. I've seen it. It's really good. His old stuff that he made in college and earlier. He might think it's terrible. I think they're cool. Oh, it's trash. Oh, it's great. I think, I think we should review one of those for fun. Just because. Uh, I mean... Maybe if the people want it, if they let us know. You want to see some of my old crap? And There's one of them where he talk about where it. he has long hair and no beard. It's great. It's great. Ah! Okay. Anyway, so today, we're the reason we're talking about black and white is because this is the first black and white movie that we're covering. Casablanca. Casablanca, the a, classic. An absolute classic in the fi- the world of film. Um. 
and it's not a surprise why. Mm-hmm. This film was directed by Michael Curtis. I think you say his last name, Curtis? 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 It ends with a Z, yeah. so it's a little off-putting. We're going to say Curtis, but we'll, if somebody has says we're pronouncing it wrong, or you know, maybe we should just check Wikipedia, whatever. That's where I'm reading this off. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Sometimes they have pronunciation shit. Uh, from a screenplay by Julius Epstein and Philip... G. Epstein. What's the original title of this? The original title? There's an original title of this. Um, I saw it briefly. It's based on the, the sc- book Everybody Comes to Rick's. Yep, Everybody Comes to Rick's. Is that the original title? Yes. Okay. The working title for the movie was the same as that, Everybody Comes to Rick's. But it has kind of a gangster feeling when you say that a little bit casablanca tell like when i was first a kid and my mom would tell me like oh here are the classics my fair lady sound of music casablanca when you heard casablanca you were like oh this is gonna be romantic and mysterious and it does live up to its name a little but i actually have slight issue with this film for the third time watching this which we will get into. We will get into it. Um, the original novel is written by Murray Burnett, and it looks like co-written by Joan Allison. Um, and this film infamously stars Humphrey Bogart, In- oh. Ingrid Bergman, and Claude Rains. What a cast. Oh my god. The minute you see Humphrey Bogart go on the screen... With the cigarette in hand and his deadpan face. You're just like, oh. Oh. Let me preface. Bogart is probably one of my favorite actors from the early cinema. Um, And there is a reason why that man is the top actor of all time. Yeah, um, for me, like watching his performance is literally like watching a master of his craft. Uh, he delivers every line with precision, and but it's like it's not just precision; it's like a fluid precision. Like he, he like he's not reading it off of paper. This, yeah, and he always gives you like the. Just from the look in his eyes, it's it's both piercing and alluring, and he like he draws you into his own like personal haunted story without really any effort, mm. and I, it gets me every time I see him on screen. He's what you would call a man's man. He is the man. He's the man that the men I think in the thirties, forties, and fifties were like. Oh, I want to be like Humphrey Bogart, man handsome like just i don't know perfect maybe he had some weird stuff I mean, he was a smoker that's a tick off my list but <laughs> even that man holding a cigarette in his hand just like i'm like tell me more to be fair who wasn't a smoker at that in the time? 40s yeah we did not know about the dangers of cigarettes way back <laughs> then and the other star of this is ingrid bergman Oh my god, that woman is so beautiful. So in black and white, no color on her face, and I'm still, I wish I could look like that woman. Oh my god. And she has one of the most beautiful daughters, Isabella Rossellini. 
That woman is gorgeous too. Saw the two of those women when I was kids and I was like, I want to grow up to look like them. <laughs> but unfortunately, there is no Italian or Swedish in any of my bloodlines. So sadly, you got the broad-shouldered Scottish girl. <laughs> yeah. So this film was originally released on November 26th, 1942. Oh. And it was made on a budget of... 878000 to a million dollars. Somewhere in that range. Mm. Its box office brought in between 3.7 and 6.9 million. Oh my god. Monumental fucking success. Monumental. Especially when you think about it in that time. The early 40s, yeah. Where do we begin with Casablanca? Oh my god. Well, my favorite thing about all these old movies, the credits being in the beginning. I love the credits and the music in the beginning. I I don't know why. I think it just harkens back to a beautiful age where, here, let's get the bullshit over with so you're not sitting in the theater for 25 minutes reading credits that are fucking yards long to wait for a small clip. Looking at you, Marvel. (laughs) Well, it's also a, uh, it's a very classic credit sequence. Mm -hmm. It's like your standard titles over a flat image format. It's nothing. Some sort of like decorative background. Yeah, it's nothing too crazy. It's just enough to get you the information and then bring you into the story. Yes, that's what you want. Get it over with in the beginning. It's done. It's over with. Get to the story. I loved the uh, the voiceover intro over the the model of the globe spinning in the fog, explaining exactly, telling you exactly what's happening. We're in not it's they didn't it was not Nazi occupied. It's not Casablanca, yet occupied. but there's a Nazi presence in Casablanca, Morocco. I didn't know Casablanca was in Morocco till right now. <laughs> I thought Casablanca was this beautiful remote like amazing place that nobody knew about no but like the last time i saw this i was much younger so i wasn't paying attention to where it was happening in the globe right and this was released in 1942 correct me if i'm wrong but the world world war ii was still happening yeah so this was this was filmed and it was released while everything was still happening so this has a lots of lots of like nazi like storyline but they're also like doing anti-nazi stuff too yes which is really kind of that seems very risky for that time period but it's america so america could do whatever they wanted basically yes um so yeah um this this opening it sets up the world in turmoil yeah and but to your point i think it it's very fitting that this movie came out when it did, mm-hmm. or was made and came out when it did, told the story the way it did. Mm-hmm. Because, yes, there is Nazi presence within this story. However, it's primarily an anti-Nazi tale. Yeah. But the story itself, having to do with both angles, exists in the same headspace as Rick himself. Yes. He... He's fighting a personal battle. Well, he's fighting a past, present, and future battle. And I will say this, even though the movie's not in color, 
they use dark and lights to their advantage because I've noticed the Nazis wore darker colors, the French, because uh, Casablanca was a French occupied space back in the 40s. Yeah. Um, the French soldiers wore white. Um, the gentleman you just mentioned who played Captain Renault, the other star of the movie, the third one, I forget his name, he flip flopped between wearing light and dark colors constantly. You're talking about Claude Rains? Yes. Oh. He flip-flopped between wearing light and dark colors, and I paid attention to that. Like because he towed the line. Because he towed the line. Because he was like, I'm not I'm I'm still very supportive of my French roots and my French country, but in order to get anywhere in this world, I still have to be on this line. And you know, I thought it was a great use of color because even Rick does it. Yes. Where um Victor and um is Ilsa, they wear white most of the time. They're always in bright colors. Rick toes the line. He always has some darker colors in there too, which I was like, even though it's black and white, they use that to their advantage, and well, I loved it. And it's worth noting that we see Rick. He wears white, mm-hmm. and he wears like the darker gray. Suit. Yeah. Whenever he, Rick is in his nightclub. He wears the white. He wears the white, Because yeah. in his nightclub... Nope, there's no politics. He's, he's both neutral, but then shifts to good. Yeah. When he's outside of the nightclub is when he wears the darker colors, because he's incognito. Yeah. He's still he neutral, but he's also has to pretend to be on everyone's side. But I love how, even though he is good at heart, he is good at heart, you can tell... He still does that same thing that everybody does, like, right in the beginning, where there's a gentleman there who the whole thing is based around, like, the the voiceover that we're getting is the refugees from Europe are coming down to Casablanca, because Casablanca is not Nazi-occupied yet. So people can stay there and wait to get exit visas. The problem is getting those exit visas could take years, and some of these people have been waiting there for so long. We see this same couple throughout the whole movie. Eventually, their storyline gets resolved in this. Yeah. But it's nice to see there's there's a separate storyline looking at how hard it is getting out of there with how much grip the Nazis are taking over basically Europe. Right. Which, you know, I've never really been a World War fan, one or two. Never really paid attention to it. I pay I attention think more. I a fan of the World no, Wars. No, but there are some people who, like, oh, okay, this is more of the history that I enjoy li- I've always enjoyed Civil War because it's American history. Because the Civil War and the Revolutionary War are are history. So I pay attention more to those. I never really paid attention to World War history because it was not something that caught my grip. I was like, oh, I'm an American. I really want to focus on this. Now that I'm older, I wish I would have paid attention more. Because, like, when you're younger, they talk about the Holocaust. They talk about the concentration camps. They talk about how badly you know the nazis like ruined people's lives but you don't see like how the rest of the world tried to deal with it like how people just had to be like well we're occupied by them so we're just going to do what they say people some of these people were just trying to get by and they had to sell their neighbors out sell their friends out you know just so they could save their own skin and it is devastating devastating 
And it's one of those things where I'm like, I can't get really into that kind of history because I actually, I'm a very emotional person. I'm very empathic when it comes to certain things. So when I watch stuff that has like real world footing, I get very emotional. So I try to stay away from some of that stuff. He can attest, like, if it's gonna give me the feels, he's like, okay, no, we're not gonna do <laughs> But it is really cool to have that voiceover to see where we're being planted. And to know that, you know, this is, this is what's happening. So we open up with the voiceover explaining that people are trying to get to Lisbon because Lisbon is the last safe haven before people can get to America. And America was a big deal. Everybody was trying to get to America. Land of the free, home of free speech, home of everything that, you know, back in the 40s, we were the dream, this yeah. country. I don't believe that anymore, but, you know, that's for another day. Um, throughout these first few minutes, we actually, like, we watched, like, freedom fighters, some citizens being, like, rounded up, yeah. some people being gunned down in the streets by police. Because two couriers with exit visas or transit papers that cannot be questioned at all because they are signed by... A higher, a high-ranking German official, were supposed to get to there. I don't remember why they needed these papers, but they were killed in the desert. And now these papers have made it to Casablanca, and they're trying to find the usual suspects. Which seemed weird, but it was just anybody that was dressed in a suit and had a hat on. It was basically anybody that was waiting for the refugee, a refugee yeah. waiting. So they were just rounding up people because they could. Right. When it turns out the person that took it or killed the people and took it actually did look like that. But it was like, wouldn't you think if they're trying to round up the usual suspects, you change your look? You'd think. Like, come on, guys. Um, this ultimately leads us to the major setting of the film, mm -hmm. which is uh, Rick's Cafe or American. Amer that American or Americano? Rick's, caf Rip Rick's Cafe American. Yep. But it's just spelled differently. Yes. Um, I took note of how we're introduced to this. Mm. So we're brought into this setting through this long dolly shot that like guides us through the front door, which is being held open by a doorman. So we're literally being invited into his world. Mm -hmm. um, and like we get a lay of the land what kind of people visit or frequent this establishment um what kind of things go on here drinking partying gambling, gambling. yep um and then we're introduced to rick himself and we're met here by a bitter stern man who views everyone and everything seemingly with like a stain of loathing yep like he just is he exists to live live his life i have so many problems you definitely get the sense that something happened to him but obviously you don't know what because mm. you don't know anything about him nope um he's this prominent figure in this community Everyone in Casablanca knows who Rick is. And it's actually mentioned by his, um, the guy that runs the uh, the Blue Parrot yeah, later he, on. Yeah, his, like, counterpart. 
yeah, he mentions later on that he that he is a prominent figure in the community. Yes. So like it kind of put, gives you an idea of like where Rick sits. Yeah, without Rick, I don't think Casablanca would run the way it does. Even Rick has his hand in the local authorities. Right. Which I guess in that kind of world, you've got to be I'm I'm sorry, you got to be a little dirty. When you're in a world where the entire of your life is flipped upside down, people are here from all walks of life. Like, you had French people, Russian people, German people. All of these people are waiting to get out of here. Yeah. They're still, like, there was one couple, German couple who was very excited. Like, we're only speaking American now. I can't wait to get to America to start our real life. And it was like, oh, my God. But you see how important Rick's gambling and side business and letting people do what they want. But he his main thing was, you do what you want, but you don't involve me. Yes. Which, they make it... Alright, so in this sequence, where we're introduced to all like the major characters. Mm-hmm. We meet Sammy, we meet... Uh, uh, the bartender. Renault, the, the the detective guy, yep. Renault. We really meet him. The doorman. The doorman. Yep. Um... The pickpocket. Yep. That's like throughout the whole movie. Constantly <laughs> stealing shit from people. It's hilarious. Um, but we also get to really get a sense of Rick's values, his like more his stances. Yeah. So you essentially learn that he and he says it countless times throughout the movie, but like that he's not gonna be the one to stick his neck out for anybody. Yep. Um, there's actually during this entire sequence, there's a, a big arrest that happens in his club and for uh, the gentleman that stole the papers. Yes. Killed and stole the papers. And the only thing I really noted from this Mm. moment was that, um, this arrest kind of, it, it paints Rick as a man who plays to his own benefit. Yeah. Like he's he's living as a neutral party in a uh a world where you're either on one side or the other. And it's it's really interesting to see that this character is like the the center of of all of this conflict yeah. in a way. He's a, he's at the center of it, but you would never know it. He's like he's like the shadow in the center. Like, yeah, all this stuff is happening and you don't realize that it's all happening around him, centered around him. Um, and it's really, it's really interesting. And it also, like it, in the, in all of this opening sequence between all of that, it also shows like what kind of person he is too, because one of the opening things is he goes up to the bar and there's a woman who's at the bar and goes, why didn't, why didn't you come see me last night? And he's like, no, nope. Uh, you can obviously see that he was like, I didn't want to, I you know, don't have to, if I don't want to kind of thing. Yeah. And he gets her and puts her in a cab and sends her home. Cause she's fucking pissed and drunk. Yes. And I put a note that says he is a rough gentleman, but he is a gentleman. He is out for himself, but he's always making sure that, Things are taken care of. Which, I don't know if that might be, like, me observing it differently, or if that's how they wanted it to look. 
no, I think that makes sense. Like he's he's a guarded person. Like he's not looking to put his feelings into anything again. Mm-hmm. And we learn why after. Oh god, yeah. But I think that moment is very prominent there. Like it it shows you that he's like he's very detached. Mm. He just does what he has to do. Obviously enjoys pleasures at times, but mm-hmm. doesn't get connected to yeah one of the one of the one of the lines that captain reynolds said was trying to figure out who he is or what he did before to have this stoic kind of thing he says i'd like to think you killed a man that's the romantic in me like he's trying to romanticize his anger his i don't get involved kind of thing yeah um even when the guy who owns the blue parrot comes in and he's always they make up a they they set up a scene where he's always trying to get the bar from him oh i'm trying to buy it from him and it says one of one of my favorite lines but not my favorite it is suppose you run your business and i'll run mine basically no i'm not selling out i'm not doing anything that i don't have a reason to do that i'm fine where i am right. which kind of sets up for later in the story too which that you don't see how much they set up why i love old movies like this they set it up so beautifully in the first like 20 minutes and all of this comes later so much more in the beginning like that's why he said that that's why he did that oh my god well they also um make it a point to state and show that rick doesn't drink with patrons yep he doesn't ever he actually doesn't really talk to people no. in these opening moments except for the people he doesn't he has get to. to know people unless he needs to know people and it's really cool because as the film progresses you start to see him change you see him opening up it's like he's cold-hearted and he starts to warm up but he doesn't he doesn't thaw completely no he still stays guarded but at least he's allowing people to be like okay now that this trauma has presented itself and I'm I'm looking it dead in the face and I'm basically letting this go essentially foreshadowing um <laughs> you you see him get a little unguarded but he's not completely stone for unfrozen he's still nope here's the arm's length stay there kind of thing so this actually kind of brings me to my next note here but my next note skips a bunch of time, so if there's anything you want to... Um, any gaps you want to fill in here. Uh, the next part I get to is the introduction of uh, the lady. That's where my next note is. Yes. So essentially, after meeting Rick and getting an idea of who he is and everything, um, we hear whispers of this this character uh this freedom fighter victor victor oh god laszlo Laszlo. victor laszlo Laszlo. and he eventually he shows up apparently he had a reservation yep uh, he comes in that him and his his lady are seated and this is where you kind of put two and two together why those important papers were taken they were to be given to them to get them out because he's a huge huge fighter against the nazi forces and they they solidify his importance right away with once they come in they get their reservation table and a gentleman comes up to him and says oh i'd like to sell you some jewelry 
and opens a ring. And I don't know the significance of the symbol on the ring, but I think it was a big deal. Uh, the symbol, they actually show it once before. Um, it's like the symbol of the freedom fighter. Okay. Like, it's, All right. a, it's supposed to be like the... Like it's a, a double T, cross. With... Yeah, it's like a, it's like a double cross. It has the regular cross with a smaller one at the bottom. But if you look at it, it's um, it's got FF. Oh, oh. <laughs> I have seen that so many times. I never put that together. Yep. I'm fucking dumb, y'all. <laughs> Ugh. Um, random factoid. Factoid. Um, many of the actors in this movie who played Nazis were, in fact, German Jews who escaped from Nazi Germany. That's awesome. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's backtrack the excitement, Leah. That is amazing that these people that escaped that are looking for a new life were like, come on, let's do this. And they got to play them the way they wanted to. Yeah. That's kind of... I, I don't know if cool is the right word to say. I think it's cool, but I don't know if people will be like, no, that's not cool. I think it's interesting because they're yeah. slightly caricatures. Like, it's like, oh, okay, you at first hand escaped. You know what they acted like. Have at it. Yeah. You know? Um, another thing is that Rick's Cafe is one of the only original sets in this film. Most of the others were recycled from other movies. Yeah, probably. I mean, there was... The scene where they're in, in Captain Reynolds' office seemed very, very familiar. Extremely familiar. But I think I did know that Rick's Cafe was an original and that it stood for a long time. Yeah. But it, this was filmed in America. This wasn't filmed overseas. Obviously, they couldn't film this overseas. No. That would have been a big no-no. Um, but yeah, so... Victor and Ilsa show up. Um, Sam recognizes Sam her recognize, right away. Sam recognizes her instantly, and it is that that best dude friend that goes, "Oh, not this bitch! Oh God, he's gonna be so depressed." Like you can, I blew it out again, didn't? Yeah. I? Oh my god! I can't god. touch the mic. I'm gonna touch you all I want. Do you hear me? Anyway, I'm in a weird mood today. I'm sorry. Um. So they're seated. Uh, she asks to have Sam come over to her. And then she says, oh, they, they are talking and she says, play it one time, Sam, for me, for old time's sake. That was the moment I was like, oh, there it is. There's the line. That's not my favorite line, but it's like, oh, I get so like when I hear her talk she's just so elegant in this movie no I don't want to back up don't give me the backup signal it's fine well you're not I'm cooing I, you can hear me see only cause you're yelling well it's fine um anyway it's gonna be a weird episode today kids so the this is the moment where that we're introduced to the song which is very very important throughout this movie it is very important um, the song is, oh God, I forgot the name of it already. Hang on, I, I, I saved it to my, um, YouTube music, As Time Goes By. As Time Goes By. Um, and this song is utilized so well throughout this movie. So like this moment is very important. She has him play it for her. He starts singing it and uh rick 
walks in and hears he's it. He's furious. And he's pissed. He's, he's pissed. pissed. I told you never to play that song. And then they lock eyes. And I I think the man shit himself right there. Um, The thing I like the most about the use of this song is that they worked it into the film's score. So we see it embellished into like a grand symphony that like celebrates their romance a little bit mm-hmm. later on but it's also twisted into like a dark haunting hymn that lingers with Rick and I I loved it I the use loved of music hearing is beautiful it. in this yes it's so well utilized and I rarely do movies do this mm. where they take a song that's diegetic like this you know what that means? Nope. Educate okay. me, baby. So there's two different types of sound in filmmaking. There's mm. diegetic and non-diegetic. Uh, diegetic sound is a sound that characters can hear. So it's like okay. if it's playing on a radio or from a musician or whatever. Uh, if it's a knock at the door, it's, it's all diegetic sound. Non-diegetic is anything that only the audience can hear. Okay, so if there's background music in a suspenseful horror movie, yeah, we only hear it that's non-diegetic. Okay. Okay. So, it's very rare that movies will... <laughs> it's very rare that movies will take diegetic sound and then implement it into the non-diegetic. It, 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 it fuels the narrative of the story. It really does. It, 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 we see it in a flashback later when... He's all alone. He's drinking. And he tells Sam, if you can play it for her, you can play it for me. This is actually my next note. Yep. So this moment. Yep. Um, Where it becomes haunting. Yeah, we see um, after meeting Ilsa again, after all this time, um, we we find Rick alone in the dark of his own world. Yep. Um, facing his past. Facing his demons. Yep. Um, Sam comes in. He's his only close friend in like, the entire come world. come on, let's go. Let's get you out of here. She's going to come back. I know she's going to come back. Nope. Sam is the best friend. Like, yes. no, dude, don't put yourself through this. We've already been through this. Let's go. He uh, he tries to aid him with it, with just some music and some kind words. Yeah. Um, but Rick urges him to like wallow with him like wallow or face it well somewhat it's wallowing but like he's making him play the song again Mm. and like just so that he can think about her for the first time in a long time like you gotta think he's been burying these feelings for however many years it's been Mm. and now he's like he's really he's like I'm I'm just gonna swallow it it's it's a pretty it's a pretty down note for this character um and then when Ilsa does show up again in this scene she comes back and I kind of chalk it up to him being pissed drunk but yeah he can't help but smile the moment she walks in and it maybe it's because he knew she would come. Maybe he, it's because he was right. Maybe it's because just seeing her made him happy and he couldn't hide it. Mm. 
I don't know. It, it's a very, it's a str small moment, but it's strong. It's very telling. Sorry, I, I wrote down a quote. It's my favorite quote of the whole movie. I had, I wrote it down, but I knew I wrote it down wrong, so I had to find it again. Oh. And I was like, oh, I did miss a couple words in it. So, but then we get into the flashback, and you see that they met in France before it became Nazi occupied in Paris before it was Nazi occupied. It seems that Rick was at one point a freedom fighter or he made it seem like when he talked to other people in the bar that, Oh, I was just doing everything for money, but it actually seemed like he was someone that was fighting for a resistance at one point and he meets Ilsa and they fall in love. But the one thing that they kept saying was, Oh, remember we're not asking questions about our past. And I think that was their fatal mistake on why everything happened. If she were to, if he, she, if they would have talked about their past, maybe this whole thing would have been different. Yeah. But it kind of fueled the story along that she had a mysterious past that he didn't know about. And even though he had one too, I believe that he like, it wasn't as mysterious as hers. I don't know where I'm trying to get that with this because I'm trying to rethink it, how it went. Well, I mean, I think they both... So that's the interesting thing about their dynamic is, like, they both had shady pasts mm. that they kept from each other. Um, we actually have seen this same element utilized on a smaller level in something that we have both watched many times and enjoyed. What well, well, movie? How I Met Your Mother. Oh. With Victoria. Oh, Victoria. Oh, my God. When her and Ted first meet in that show, they choose to not talk not about talk. anything. And then after they do the countdown to the kiss and she leaves. I remember watching that episode being, oh, my God, these two are in love. I think we could do an entire podcast on Oh, that. my God, I could because <laughs> I both love and adore everything about that and hate everything about that now that it's been has it been 10 10 years since the first the last episode aired of how i met your mother no yeah. hasn't been that long i don't think when did the last episode of how i met your mother air we're cutting it close baby march 31st 2014 wow it's been, it's been eight years. It's been eight years for me to seethe from that final fucking episode, guys. <laughs> um, but we'll, we'll go back. But yes, like I, a lot of movies take that element, and what like Victoria and How I Met Your Mother is a beautiful example. Like that to me is like, oh my god, I've never seen this before. Now I've watched tons of movies and I've seen it before, but like in this, like that, don't talk about your past, just be in your present. But then having this huge world war around you and everything fall apart, like it just makes that those paths more mysterious in my mind. But you see that they uh, the two of them were in a bar. Sam used to work in a bar in Paris and the Nazis are getting closer and closer to Paris. And by the end, you realize that she says that you need to go, Rick. You, you know, if they find you, they're going to take you. They're going to put you in a concentration camp because he was a freedom fighter at one point. Yeah. Um, they're getting ready to go. They're getting ready to go on a train to escape Paris. And they're like, okay, the three of us are going to meet and we're going to go. 
she never makes it. She sends a letter saying, I can't go. I'm sorry. I, you don't understand. I just can't go. And we as the audience are sitting there going, what, 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 you are, you are madly in love with this man. What is making you not want to go with him? But then in the, in the other scene where they walk into Rick's cafe, she has a husband. So now you're like, uh, what happened? What's going on? Like, well, it doesn't really become clear that they are her and Victor, husband and wife until it's actually stated later on. No, it's, it's pretty clear to me. It is very clear that they're husband and wife when they're there. I think it's the mentality of the 40s. I think I was thinking more wow. of putting myself in the 40s. Like, they're traveling together. They're well-dressed. To me, they are a couple. Yeah. Well, yeah. I assumed that they were a couple, but they never, like, state were married until after all of this. Doesn't Don't they say that Mr. Um, Victor Laszlo and his wife are traveling together? Um, At I don't one point in the think beginning? so. I don't. I didn't recall hearing that, but maybe you're right. Um. <clears throat> yeah. What happens after the? Oh. So after the flashback is when Ilsa shows up at the club. Ilsa shows up. And they have that kind of. They have a weird moment. They have a weird confrontation where, she's. She's talking to him like if you'd only understand if you only listened. He was like, "No, I don't care. Yeah, no, I don't care." Yeah, he kind of calls her on her shit. Yeah, he's like, "You left me standing there alone in Paris with no explanation. At least you could have explained what happened." But they had the rule, no past. So I don't yes. know whose side to take here. I'm like, "Am I mad at him or am I mad at her?" Like I don't know. He's he's unreasonably angry. I'm sorry. There's an eyelash in my eye. I'll back it up. He's unreasonably angry at her for not telling her the reason, but she's unreasonably mad at him for, like, not understanding. But it's like, you both... Communication, people. All it takes is a little communication. If she had sat there and said, in front of her husband, we were married before we met. Yeah. And I thought he was dead. That's all, that's all she could have had to say, even when they met. Right. It would have... It would have changed the dynamic of the story, but it would have solidified it as, look, we're in the middle of a war. I thought he was dead. I My life was over at that point, and I met you, and you breathed new life into me. Yeah. Like, that is exact, that's exactly what they say together in another scene. I know I'm jumping ahead, because I just get... this. It just aggravates me that these two are, like, on different sides of anger, but it's like, if you would just talk... Yes, uh, I completely agree, and I get where you're coming from, um, but at the same time, I definitely understand being so angry with each other because when you throw feelings into the mix, when you throw like emotion into the mix of something as unemotional as no pa- as a no past rule, mm. um, which, it's gonna bite you in the ass. Yeah, they both heavily became emotionally invested in each other yes so like getting hurt still is just as painful yeah so i get the retaliation yeah i I, understand i understand but i feel i don't know maybe i'm just emo too emotional (laughs) too like oh guys come on maybe it was different like 
Um, back the train up. That was a weird text. Maybe it's just, um, I wish that there was more communication for this, but I understand a story in the 40s. You wanted the fantasy. There was this whole element of extreme fantasy in storytelling to where it's like, this doesn't seem right now, but back then it's like, oh, what a love story. Like, you know, it, it's yeah. sign of the times kind of thing. Um, let's see. I'm going to be honest. Most of the rest of my notes aren't step by step. They're more no. about the entire film as a whole. Yeah. My notes, I have a little bit of other notes, so I'll keep going here. So he says the most famous line of the movie, at least four times in the flashback, because it solidifies that that was her nickname for him. Oh, that was his nickname for her. He says, here's looking at you, kid, many times. And I believe that was his way of saying I love you to her. I and agree. every time he said it, her face would light up. I mean, it was so exciting. But the last one he said to her in the cafe before they had to get on to, or not the cafe, like, yeah, the, the, the bar, before they got uh, needed to go to the train, he said it to her and she started crying, heavily crying. And hiding her face. And he says, why don't we get married? Why don't we escape? And you can tell something's wrong. So obviously, it was little before then that she finds out her husband is still alive. He escaped a concentration camp. He's in hiding. We find this out. But she doesn't tell Rick. And she kind of leaves him at the platform at that point. Which, I mean, if something ever happened to you and I... Oh, Sean's dead. My life is over essentially i don't know how i can keep going on without my gremlin um but if somebody told me like oh i had moved on i'd found someone else and they said sean's not dead he's still alive he's in hiding i'd do the same thing she did i would like I, sorry i gotta break your heart buddy i gotta go bye seizure like like i get so mad at her but i'm like ah. What would you do in the same scenario? Probably the same thing. In a fantasy world, guys. We're yeah. not talking real life. But from that point, I don't really... Once the flashback ends, they come back. I don't really remember what exactly happens. But we get to a point that um, Victor and Ilsa are to meet Captain Renault at the station at 10 a.m. the next morning. And there's all sorts of threats being thrown around. Like, oh, Victor, you know, it's not safe here, but it's not safe in Lisbon. Like, what are you going to do? And they give him a, basically a way out. Like, oh, confess who all the other leaders of all the other freedom fighters and all the other countries are. And we'll let you go. We'll give you papers and you can escape. He's like, I'm not doing that. He goes, I was in a concentration camp with all sorts of torture tactics. I didn't say anything then. What th makes you think I'll say it now? And they basically say, oh, because it's for you and your wife. So they know exactly how to push his buttons because he is madly in love with his wife. So yes. it's like, okay. So now you're starting to see where the rest of this is going. Also, side note, the dude that got arrested for the papers in the beginning, he gave the papers to Rick. Rick has had these papers the whole movie. Yes. So now we find out they're being told Rick has those papers. You've got to convince Rick to give you those papers. Now that Ilsa's back and he's mad at her, yeah. what's gonna happen? So, um, 
just a side note here. Mm. How did you feel about the the relationship between Bogart and Bergman in this movie? Like, the I, chemistry between the two yeah. actors? Palpable. It is a beautiful chemistry. They hate each other with a passion, and then there's they love each other with a passion. I don't think that's the case in real life. Apparently, all didn't see it that way. Really? Um, so, at the time that this movie was being made, Humphrey Bogart was married to an uh, actress, Mayo Mathot. Yeah, I saw Mayo. Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess she, throughout this whole production, she continually accused him of having an affair with Ingrid Bergman. Um, often confronting him in his dressing room before a scene was going to be shot. Um, so, like, naturally Bogart would come out to the set all enraged and agitated. Mm. Um, but despite their obvious chemistry on screen, mm. they hardly spoke when they were in between Yeah, takes. I think I heard that, that the jealousy of Bogart's wife was so bad that Ingrid and him just thought it better if... But that chemistry was in- incredible. I mean, that little story just speaks to the... the uh, acting chops of yeah. both of them. Like, they can turn it off. Like, oh, no, okay, yeah, no, he's just, he's the guy I'm acting besides. But in the movie, like, they look so happy. Like, you would think they are a real couple in some of those scenes. Especially when she, so, there's a whole scene where she goes back to the bar. She meets with Bogart. They pretty much talk about their past. It is a scene where you would think these two are married and in love in real life. It's just so beautiful, especially when they're dancing in the flashback. And there's a scene where she puts his head on hers. It's no kissing, no nothing. It's just their heads are touching and they look just, it's so passionate. It almost feels like I shouldn't be watching this. This is very intimate. That's how good their chemistry was to me. But in real life... They, I, I knew that they, there was no chemistry in real life. I, 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 I think I remember reading that going, wait, really? There's no chemistry? Yeah. Because it was very normal for actors and actresses married, you know, get into a movie and all of a sudden you have Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Uh, yeah. That's not, not the not greatest a, movie. Huh? Not the greatest movie. I thought it was kind of badass. <sighs> what did I, what do I know about movies, guys? What do <laughs> I know? Um, there is one scene, which I might actually not mention it because it's my favorite scene. And I think it changes the whole dynamic of the movie. So I'll I'll wait till the till the end. Um, I also put two notes. This man, Humphrey Bogart, loves paint. Oh my god! And then it's this man leaves drinks everywhere in his own bar. His bartenders must be pissed. Every scene, he's taking a sip and a drag. He only takes a drag and a sip, and he leaves it there. I'm like. This man must just be dotted with fucking wine glasses or booze glasses everywhere in this it's place. his bar. He can do what he wants. True, but it's like he finally sits down to have a drink and someone's like, I need to speak with you. And he's like, oh, let's go. <laughs> I'm like, I can't even finish my... <coughs> I can't even have a drink. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry, kids. That was me just puking. You can't use that, can you? No. No. He's just leaving his drinks fucking everywhere. Everywhere. It's ridiculous. Can't even have a drink in my own bar. I know. <laughs> we interrupt your regularly scheduled film talk for this important announcement. I know what you're thinking. Oh, God, not an ad. But trust me, if you have ever had a passing interest in podcasting, then you're going to want to hear about Anchor. Anchor is a podcast platform by Spotify, and it is way easier to make a podcast with absolutely everything you need to capture your audience all in one place. Anchor has the tools to help you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And choosing to host with Anchor means that you can distribute your podcast on all major listening platforms, like Spotify, naturally, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. It also allows you to begin earning money with your show with no minimum listener requirements. Anchor was our first and only choice when we decided to start our show, and we cannot recommend it enough. So if you have an idea to podcast, don't wait any longer. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Oh, let's see. Yeah, I have to wait for that. So then... There's another scene. We're bouncing around because I don't really remember a lot of the sequence. There's another scene where the Gestapo... um, Oh, it's part of my favorite. I can't even mention it. But there's a scene after my favorite um, scene. The Gestapo um, tells Captain Renault, close this place down. You have to close it down. If Laszlo's here for any longer, it's going to raise problems close it down so they close rick's bar down completely and he says why are you closing my bar down to captain reynolds he's like i don't understand what's happening i'm shocked that you have gambling here and he's like you've known about it all along he's like no i am absolutely stunned and then the person who cashes out goes here's your winnings captain reynolds he goes thank you very much i am shocked i'm just like (laughs) what just happened well (laughs) All right, so that, it's an example of how deep Captain Renault is in Rick's pocket and vice versa. Well, it, that's actually a prime example of like this is first and foremost a romantic drama. Yes. Um, it's the type of timeless story of love against all odds that like movies like uh, Titanic fall under. Um, 
and but it I still have a makes room. Feeling. But it, but it still makes room for levity and a little bit of action. But it has some it's funny not, jokes. It does. It's not completely hard drama. Yeah. And I appreciated that. Yeah, I like that there's a couple of little quips. After this all happens, um, you know, I have to say this about this movie. I love this movie, but it gets a little boring at a point. Like, there is some points when you're like... Well, to be fair, a lot of the stuff that we watch is like stimulation to the max. Eight-legged stimulation last week, which I'm still creeped out about. Well, I'm talking like like a lot of the stuff we watch a lot of horror movies which yeah. is overstimulation. We we watch the Marvel Cinematic Universe which is overstimulation in a whole nother way. Like we watched Black Widow last week cuz we're trying to like catch up to um before we see Spider-Man and before we see Doctor Strange and compare arachnophobia to Black Widow. Ha, ah, they're both spiders to this movie. And you can see how cinema has, like, it's a sm- slow train, slow train. And then now it's just a fucking bullet train. It goes yes. thousands of miles per hour. But, uh, bullet trains don't go thousands of miles per hour, you know what I mean? But it's like, you go from, you know, we watched uh, Meet Me in St. Louis, to Arachnophobia, to Casablanca, to our next one, which I've never seen the next few that we're actually reviewing. And I'm yeah. really excited that's why I'm very excited for this recording day we're having because I'm I'm so excited to see new films that I'm like, I don't know anything. I only know the actor, actress, and I only know that this is the element of it. That's it. I'm really excited. But like having movies like this, you have I, you have to put yourself like, okay, this was the 40s. They couldn't handle killer eight-legged spiders or, you know, a fucking space station falling from the goddamn sky. They would lose their mind. That would be like War of the World shit. And I don't know if people could handle that. So to me, tad boring and a little drawn out at times. But the cinema we watch is like, go, 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 go. Yes. Um. Yeah, this is like, it's about the love story. It's yeah. about the, it's not so much about the political turmoil that there, it takes place in. But it has a big, like back then, it was a big deal. Yes. Which, that probably was one thing that captivated a lot of people back then. Oh, was, sure. Oh, there's a love story and political drama? That's that's amazing. Well, that's why Titanic works. Why does Titanic work? It's a heartfelt love story set in the middle of a real-life natural disaster. Not natural disaster. It but... got me to adore anything Titanic. And when I was... When did that movie come out? That was like 97. So I was in middle school. I was obsessed mm. With the Titanic in middle school. Obsessed. So obsessed that I wanted to take a boat out one day and go into one of those little submarine ships. You know, a little envious of James Cameron right now. But I'm a lot older and I don't want that now. Oh, let's see. So we go through all this and then we get to... um, There's a secret meeting happening for the Freedom Fighters. And you find out that the doorman is one of the freedom fighters and he and Laszlo are going to the secret meeting. So while they're going to the secret meeting, she, um, Ilsa is going to meet with Humphrey Bogart and she is doing anything she can to get those papers because he, she, he, she knows he's not going to give them to Laszlo at all. Right. But she's like, maybe I can use my love for him to kind of convince him. 
She tries. Guys, she tries everything to the point of pulling a gun on him. And he's like, go ahead. Goes right here to his heart and says, pull the trigger. Do it. She can't do it because she's still madly in love with this man. trying to remember the next step of the movie guys i'm sorry <laughs> um next step of the movie is secret meeting goes badly and the doorman and laszlo end up back at the bar and he's trying to help them and um bogart's character rick opens the door and says oh so and so the doorman uh the back door back light wasn't turned off you need to come up here and turn it on he goes but the other guy does it religiously well today he forgot Basically, I think it's a signal for him to get up here and help me now. Yeah. I, they definitely have their their little signals, like Sam, the bartender, and him, all three of them. Like, they have ways to communicate to get around the turmoil that's happening. Yes. So when he comes up the stairs, sees that Ilsa's there, and goes, make sure she gets home. I'll take care of him. Um, which basically leads to the two of them talking and says that he knows that she mentioned him about their love or something or mention no. that they were involved at some point he, I think he he just states that like he 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 knows something happened between them yep and he can tell that they love each other but he's not angry he's like I understand well he's he's the most understanding dude because he he's like at that point she thought I was dead yeah like I understand her finding comfort in someone else yeah I mean, you definitely, like, I would definitely understand that. Yeah. But. I would too, but it's like, but it's, but in that type of world, in that type of, like, scenario that they're going, they're going through a fucking war. At that point, their mentality is probably different. Like, nope, I was in a concentration camp. I thought I was dead too. I thought my life was over. If she can find happy, go find happiness. Now, it'd still it'd be a little tough. Like, I don't know here and now, but then. It was basically like fight or flight, like max level. So, so they get her back there and they have a discussion and a plan is formulated in Bogart's head or Rick's head on how to actually get them out. He does a lot of thinking. Now he knows the full story of why Ilsa left. Now he understands what actually happened. That unfortunately, he wasn't left for another man. He was the other man. He was something that it was an unfortunate circumstance or not an unfortunate circumstance, but unfortunately the previous love is still alive and she had to make a tough call. So I think he does a lot of thinking. He understands hatches this plan that is calculated beautifully. Like the step by this is where my interest came back. I was like, wait a minute. I've seen this many times before. I don't remember this. I don't remember this whole thing happening but maybe it's because i'm older i understand um so we get to he turns around and says tells her we're as in rick and her are getting on a flight and your husband's gonna stay behind so they get everything situated where okay renault you're gonna arrest um laszlo we're gonna get on the plane sure no problem it's not what happens they get to the bar and Rick pulls the gun on Renault and says, they're getting on the plane. You're going to sign the papers. Has this whole plan hatched. Says, you got to call the airport now and get the plane ready. Which Renault calls the Gestapo, uh, the Nazi leader yeah. who's there. He's, um, call off your men. 
he pretty much said, we can do this deal. You can have him if you call off your men. It was the smartest thing Rick did to keep his men away. Right. Um, and it was the Gestapo who said, get everybody to the airport now. Get me my car. He shows up there when they're signing all the papers and getting everything prepared. He shows up alone. There's no other troops. There's no one else there. It's Renault. It's the Gestapo. It's Laszlo. It's Ilsa. And it's Rick. And Renault, the whole time you're like, oh my God, Renault, that like Rick's life is over. Renault is going to kill this guy. And Rick pulls the gun on the Gestapo. You're not doing anything. Stop it. And Renault just lets it happen. And I'm like, okay. All right. Um, It's worth interjecting like before the guy actually shows up. Yeah. You have the big infamous scene in this movie. Yeah. Whoa. I want to. I want to get to that one. I want to get there. I'll get there. You skipped over it. I skipped over it for a reason. Oh, well. Well, Jeez. well, huh? Look, we got to go. We got to follow the formula, Sean. Follow the formula. What formula? The formula you made up. Back to formula. Back to formula. <laughs> um. So, yeah, before then, there is the most passionate, heartfelt scene between two people. So iconic that before they took out the Roman Chinese theater ride at Hollywood Studios and Disney, it was one of the last scenes. It was one of the big scenes that you saw. It was um, Laszlo was getting everything ready with Renault for the papers. It was Rick and it was Ilsa alone standing there. And that's when she's like, no, what ha- what's going to happen to you? He goes, no. He goes, he says the line, the infamous line that makes me excited every single time oh, i gotta find it i gotta find it. um one of the lines is <sighs> i mean i know one of them oh no no it's all jumbled it's all jumbled. i'm gonna go with mine i'm gonna get it wrong maybe not today maybe not tomorrow but soon and for the rest of your life you will regret not getting on that plane and then the other thing she says well what about you we'll always have paris two out of like five two of the most iconic lines and then before they come back he looks at her one more time and said here's looking at you kid and it oh goosebumps every time bogart says that to her every time that line those three lines boom 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 maybe not today maybe not tomorrow but for the rest of your life you will regret it those are words to live by really honestly yeah and you've heard them numerous times. That line will always have Paris. Here's looking at you, kid. They've said those lines many times in other movies for references. Everyone knows here's looking at you, kid. Yeah. And it's funny because, like, you feel like at this moment that this movie's going to end on a sour note for Rick. No. Because at that point, Laszlo comes back. Renault's standing there. Everything's all set. Mm says you guys need to get on that plane so they go they get on the plane the gestapo shows back up and it's rick and it's renault and renault's like oh he held me at gunpoint oh they're on that plane oh we have to stop them why didn't you stop them gets on the phone to to take care of it the gestapo pulls out a gun rick pulls out a gun boom shoots him dead and before rick's like all right what's your next move his troops show up and he says the Gestapo's been shot. Round up the usual suspects. And that was the moment I went. Because of my favorite scene, Renault's had enough. 
He's absolutely had enough. And he is fighting on the same side that Rick is now, that Laszlo and Ilsa are now, to stop the Nazis from invading Casablanca. Or even stop them from taking over... Basically, they wanted to take over the world yeah. at that uh, back then. And one of my other favorite lines... <laughs> why, why, I, my phone is not cooperating. Is when Renault and <laughs> Rick are walking away into the fog... Lewis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Because that leaves it open for interpretation. Yeah. Because now, at this day and age, you know that the war was won by the Allies, that the Nazis were defeated, that everything, you know, stopped. I wouldn't say get back to normal. Nothing over there ever got back to normal. It was devastating. But it was, it's an impactful line. Because to me, that line inspires hope. There is a hope behind that line. When at a time, I don't think the World War II ended until 54, right? I couldn't give you a date. Let's, let's fact check this. What year did World War II end? Nineteen thirty-nine to nineteen forty-five. September second, nineteen forty-five is when it ended. So this movie was made pretty much in the middle of the conflict. Yeah. So this line definitely makes you hopeful, and it probably inspired a lot of hope in people that saw it. And then when the war ended, this just seems like a love story with a hopeful ending. Yes. With a definite hope ending, which makes me really happy. That's the end of the movie. Um. <sighs> something i want to like bring up is that like i don't know how you feel mm. watching movies like this but like for me these types of stories these like golden age films like they always uh make me nostalgic for a time that i've never experienced it makes you feel like you were born in the wrong era uh yeah to some degree uh like on some level, like, I wish that people still dress the same way or, yeah, like, like the guys, for example, everybody always, like, basically wore a suit of some kind. I, I wish we could still wear those hats. They look so fucking awesome. The women wore those beautiful dresses and always had their hair done. Yeah. They always look, um, they always look so polished. And it, I'm sure it's just in cinema, but, like, they spoke so eloquent, eloquently with, mm -hmm. like, these little quips and, like, everything felt so powerful. And now we speak in hashtags. <laughs> what happened to us? And we wear pajamas. My usual clothing God. all week. Well, I work in a warehouse, so yeah, I wear hoodies and leggings. I work in a warehouse that it's not very warm. It can be cold at times. And, like, I was telling a couple co-workers yesterday, they're like, oh, you know, do you dress like this all the time? I'm like, I love to wear dresses and I like to dress up. They looked at me like I had three heads. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I own a collection of dresses, but I don't wear them usually unless it's a little warmer. Right now it's mi middle of winter and... Oh, it's not snowing anymore. So it literally just stopped. It literally just stopped. It's been snowing since, like, 5 a.m. No, 6 a.m. About 6 a.m. So about four or five hours it's been snowing, which is kind of nice because this is the first snow. And we're co recording this on Christmas Eve. It's so magical. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. But um, 
I, I would love to dress more in the dresses and stuff. You've, you've seen me dress like I love to do that, but I have a job where there's it, it, no point in me wearing really nice clothes. I wear clothes that I can afford to kind of get beat up and, you know, stay warm and shit. And, you know, you wear all black, like the outfit you see is basically kind of what he wears. He's very all black. I would love it if we could dress up one day. And I've told my friends this many times. I want to have a day where the guys dress in nice suits, the girls dress in nice dresses, and we have a fancy kind of cocktail and dinner thing. You know, kind of like Clue. Kind of like that. Like where you go nice and proper and polished and, you know, talk about pip pip cheerio, the weather and politics and all these lovely things. But that's just, I don't know. I, it may, these eras, these movies do make me nostalgic for that. I mean, even watching Meet Me in St. Louis, that was like early, like it was, that was like 1904. Yeah. Oh my God. To see no cars on the road, horse and buggy, no technology <laughs> to entertain yourself. You danced and sang with your family, played games. I'm not going to lie. That sounds like hell. I think it sounds <laughs> lovely and I'm dragging his ass with me. Uh. But yeah, it does make me nostalgic. It really does. So, something that I did this time mm. watching this movie is I tried my best to look at the movie from a different perspective. Like in another so? In another way. Okay. And it actually kind of went, took me down a rabbit hole a little. What'd you do, Tedro? Well, I... So, I did a couple of things. Like, mm. firstly, I looked at the movie... Most people watch this, and it's Ilsa and uh, Rick's Did love Did you story. focus on another s story? I focused on a few different things. Okay. So, I noticed that this... You could look at this movie as being... As the audience, as being caught between two great love stories. You have Rick and Ilsa, and you have Ilsa and Victor. Yes. On one end, you have this, these two people who came together when they both really needed someone the most. They fell passionately in love, and then they were ripped apart by circumstance. Yep. Only to reconnect later in life, but not be able to be together. Yeah. On the other hand, you have a man and woman who fell in love, be got married. They were torn apart by a world falling into chaos yeah then f came back together only to run for their lives only to run for their lives together yep and get they've been on the run for a very long time then and these are two you could make two completely separate movies here and I didn't think that it's incredible um in ways it's like you're uh like you have uh, a story that it's uh, how, how to phrase this correctly um, you're caught between love and the defiance of war mm. which would be uh, Rick and I mean Ilsa and Victor and then love at all odds which is Rick and Ilsa yeah um which actually leads me to a question for you. Okay. Which is the greater love story? Rick and Ilsa or Ilsa and Victor? 
I still say Rick and Ilsa because while um, Victor and Ilsa's love story is gorgeous, it's a quick, smaller one because we don't know how long Rick and Ilsa were together. We also don't know how long her husband was like taken from her and how long she thought he was dead. I'd love to see that side of it, but I think the the great love that you can never have back of Ilsa and Rick is stronger because people will always root and pine for it. Like Victor and Ilsa got their basically happy ending. They flew away to Lisbon and you essentially think, okay, they're in America. They're home free. They're, they're happy. Rick now has to live with the fact that he had to let his absolute love go for the sake of, uh, it was the wrong place, wrong time for the two of us, which I think is a stronger love story. That's why this one was focused, but uh, you have a point. I would love to see that smaller story of Victor and Ilsa. I would love that. Okay. Um, what, is, what, is, what, is your, what is your input? Well, I'm inclined to agree, mm. but to play devil's advocate, mm. I don't agree that Ilsa and Victor's story is a smaller one. Okay. I definitely have to say that theirs would be a much grander love story only because you have to take into account their meeting, falling in love, which we never see. And it ripped apart because of war. Being ripped apart for years. Okay. Maybe small love story was a not the right word. In the context of this movie, it's a smaller love story. Yes. Because we're following Rick. Yeah. But if you were to tell their story instead, yeah. it would be much grander. It Where Rick was a backtown character like Victor. Victor was kind of a background. Sorry, guys. Victor was kind of a background character. Like, yes, there was an emphasis on him being important, but he wasn't the important of the love story. Yeah. It was Ilsa and Rick who that's where the cameras focus. That's where the when they put the the fog beauty filter, it was on the two of them. It was never on the other characters. Right. So yeah, maybe small love story is is the worst way is not the best way to put it. But honestly, like that would be a notch in how would you remake this? Focus on Victor and Ilsa's love story. Maybe. That might be kind of like okay, so I always go back to this goddamn fucking story every time. Gone with the Wind was a book. And then they made it into a movie. Well, there is a book called Rhett Butler's People that focuses on Rhett's story, not Scarlett O'Hara's. And I owned the book at one point and I was never able to read it because it got damaged in a flood. Uh, the big flood that we had around here in 2009. Mm. I lost a lot of books, a lot of movies to that, unfortunately, because I lived in the basement. And there's, there was literally nothing I could do. But um, that book was all about his perspective of what happened in Gone with the Wind, not from Scarlet's perspective. And I love when people reimagine like a, a beautiful story and then you reimagine it. Sort of like why I really do like Disney's interpretation of all these fairy tales. You have Sleeping Beauty and you have Maleficent, which we just recently watched Maleficent because I was like, I've always wanted to see it. It wasn't the best, but it was a kind of an awesome concept based on it mm. to where 
you know, she was never the bad guy. She was just someone who got fucked over. Got royally <laughs> fucked over. But I like that. I like how people are, oh, okay, these stories have been told time and time again. Let's do it a little differently. Let's flip it a little. And I think that would be incredible to do with some of these older stories. Tell it from a different perspective. Tell it from her perspective, not his. I think that would be amazing. Um, I also have an experiment. Oh, I have homework? Uh, no. I want you to do this right now. All right. It's a small experiment, but it's something I started to formulate at the towards the end of the movie. Okay. Just having ridden through everything that I started to think about it in a different way. And it's completely ridiculous. And I think uh, I think it a lot of people would probably disagree with the entire thing. But. Okay. So imagine for a moment. Imagine if you will. Just imagine everything you just saw. Um, that imagine for a moment that Ilsa was actually just a manipulative harlot. Take a look at the film again in your mind, and okay. from that perspective, does she really love either Vic, Victor, or Rick, or is she just playing the both for her own benefit? What was her benefit to escape? To get out. I don't think it. I'm not saying I think it's true. But it's an interesting way to look at it. She does pull a gun on Rick at one point. The only character that can come to mind that I'm trying to, like, interject, like, the attitude or the manipulativeness is Claudia from Interview with the Vampire. Yeah. Kind of like that whole, I hate you, but I love you still. Like, that line. Like, I'm trying to interject that attitude towards Ilsa. And I'm having a hard time, but I can see where, like, where it could be. Like, okay, every time she gets emotional, she's just turning a show on. I wouldn't be able to do that unless the audience saw more of the manipulation in the background. But it would be... I know a lot of people are going to be like, No, that's not how the story goes! Why are you doing that? It's not. But it's interesting. It's an interesting thought. It is. What if... She was literally just playing these people to get to America. What if she's the reason why she tipped off the Gestapo about the papers being stolen and they're at Rick's? What if she knew about Rick's all over? Oh, I never knew you were here. But what if she did know that he was there and she was the whole time trying to manipulate the whole situation? It's interesting. You could. Oh, why do you do this? My mind goes on a fucking spiral. I hate this. Just a fun experiment. But yeah, no, I. That would be really interesting. Because the younger woman who had just gotten married to the dude eight weeks earlier who was trying to escape Lisbon, she could you could also solidify that she was manipulative too because she sob story to Rick and manipulated him and then he rigged the gambling game so they yeah. would get more money. What if all the women that were trying to escape were out for their own means and using the men around them as oh well you're just you're just collateral and a means for me to escape well because and the reason this is fun to just speculate on is like you got to think she came essentially came to rick because she knew that she could play on his the emotions he had for her so like and that's a prominent scene she is literally trying to manipulate him until she 
like gives into her own feelings. Because the only way Laszlo was gonna escape ever, like if he didn't have Ilsa, he wasn't getting out of there. Rick wasn't gonna right. help. He was gonna be a neutral party. He wasn't gonna give a shit. Exactly. So if Elsa wasn't there to be able to pull the strings, oh, and, what have you done? And who's to say that her giving into her own feelings? wasn't just a, the next step in her manipulation. Oh, God. It, it's just, I know it's not the truth. It is not the truth. But it's it just isn't. a fun thing to think about. But movies, stories, books, anything, it's all up to your interpretation. Yes. Like, you can have the person who wrote it and the director stand there and go, no, this is cut black and white. This is what it's about. But somebody still go, for example, Marvel, but what if? But it's always interesting to see other people's interpretations of stories. That's why we have so many stories. Some of these stories are the same thing repeated over and over and over again from a different perspective. Except for arachnophobia. What the fuck? <laughs> Just saying. I'm still mad about oh, that Oh, get movie. over it. I'm still mad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we're at the point of closing questions. Yes. Uh... Overall thoughts on the film? It's a great film, but it's a little boring for me. I think it's because I'm not of that era. I'm used to more action-packed, more... It is a great film. People are going to disagree with me constantly. I find Casablanca to be beautiful, but boring. It's a story we've all heard. It's a love story that's happened in countless stories, books, movies, everything. I still love it, but I think it's one of those movies where I'm like, I've seen Casablanca, I'm okay. I don't have to put this one on again. It doesn't, the story doesn't pull me too much, so I like it, but it's okay. <laughs> um, I think recently, and it's a very small recently mm. but i think i've begun to build a much greater appreciation for golden age cinema um i don't I'm, i don't think i'm ever gonna just like pick up a golden age film and watch it for no reason mm. but when i do watch them now i find so much more to them than i ever would have when i was a kid um, I'm kind of glad that a lot of them I never saw when I was younger because I never would have been able to appreciate them the way I do now. Mm. This, I feel, is an absolute classic for a fucking reason. Um, there's a reason that people flock to this movie and revisit it time and time again. It's a grand love story, which I don't know, so many people can't live without uh this is probably and like the beauty of it is that it's not just a love story there's yeah. so much more to it it's a film noir um and film noir is it's a dying art it is and this is one of the truest examples of it yeah uh most people think film noir and they think oh duh, gritty detective stories they're not always that Mm. Like this is a beautiful example of a timeless classic. 
Yeah. Really. I mean, it's not timeless, but somehow it is. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a great film, and it's a piece of history that if you haven't seen it, you should at least once. What are your favorites? So my favorite scene... Here we go again. I feel like I had snot coming out of my nose. So my favorite scene is the French troops have taken over Sam's piano, and they are singing the French, uh, the German national, German. The Germans have taken over Sam's piano, and they're singing the German national anthem, loud, proud, above everything else. The band has stopped playing, and everybody looks very, very nervous. So. Victor and Ilsa are in the bar and Victor, you can see he's had it. He goes up to the band and he tells them something whispered and they start singing the French national anthem as loud as they can. And then the whole bar of Rick's joins in. Even a woman who was starting to see and sleep with someone on the German side started singing and screams Viva la France a few times and everybody gets just very patriotic. And that's when the Gestapo closes the bar because he sees the patriotism as an act against Nazi Germany. And that's my favorite because one, all I can think of is my penis is bigger than your penis. <laughs> it's ridiculous, I know, but that's what I think. But it just goes to show how a small bit of we won't let you do this to us can take over pe the small amount of passion and patriotism for something like that like it, it, the nazis wanted to steamroll over everything and take over but there was resistance no matter what in all corners of the earth didn't matter they were people that were resisting and i love that because it shows that timeline because this was released in the middle of world war ii that people were still standing and saying no you're not going to do this. You're not taking over. Now that I've depressed everyone. <laughs> my favorite line in this movie to this date will always be when he's sitting there wallowing in his drink with Sam. When the lights are down, he's in the dark. Uh, Rick's in the dark. Oh, I know which one you're going to say. Yep. And she's coming to the bar and she's standing there trying to talk. And he goes, of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she walks into mine. I love that line. I have, since I was a teenager, I really have. That to me just portrays the, I forgot about you till you fucking walked in, you bitch. I, I suppressed everything. And what, looking at your face brings back everything. And that man, from that moment he sees her, he's never the same. Like, it, that's it. That was one, That is definitely my favorite line. Has been because of the, the power that Bogart portrays in that line. The passion, the anger, just speaks volumes about how the rest of the story is going to go at that point. So, yeah. What is your favorites? Um, so... It's hard for me to pinpoint a favorite scene. Mm. There are so many that are just so prominent from this movie. Mm. Uh, 
honestly, probably that if I had to pick one right now, it would probably be that scene that mm. where he's wallowing in the dark, um, and Sam's playing. You just the like song. dark things. It's just so. It's such a strong scene. Like, mm. and I'm talking from the moment we see him sitting there alone to after Ilsa leaves. Like that is such a strong sequence, mm. and it's so emotional. It's so telling not just because we get a fucking 15 minute flashback in there yeah but we get so much out of bogart in that sequence um i have a list of my favorite lines here uh first being uh i'd like to think that you killed the man it's the romantic in me yep that's, that's a good one. It's funny. It's, it's telling. <laughs> it, uh, it sets up how flip-floppy, but how, f- like, comedic that the captain character is. Yeah. He, like, he is a very funny character throughout yeah. the whole movie. You don't know where he's going to go, and you're like, what side are you on? Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> um, there's a moment where, I, I forget, Rick is talking to, uh, I think he's talking to, uh... Renault and I think the Gestapo at their table, mm. but it's just part of their dialogue. But he says, uh, "Not particularly, but I understand the point of view of the Hound too." Like it, it just shows that mm. like he's he's a, he, like it puts him in his neutral place. Like yeah. he, he's understanding of every point of view. Um, when there he's first talking to, uh. Ilsa and Victor at their table. Um, Victor's talking about his his dealings and his like stature. Yeah. And uh, Rick's like, we all try. You succeed. Yeah. <laughs> um. Here's looking at you, kid. That's always going to be infamous. It's one yep. of the best lines in this movie. Um, from the flashback, a Frank for your thoughts. In America, they bring you bring only a penny. I guess that's all they're worth. I love that. Oh shit! I yeah, that. that was an interesting quote. Um, of course the. The, the big comedy line that we both really enjoyed the on what grounds do you have to shut me to, shut me up I'm shocked shocked to find that there's gambling going on here you're winning sir oh thank you very much <laughs> thank you very much shocked <laughs> next one I've got is uh it's during the big uh scene where Ilsa is trying to convince him to give him, give her their papers mm. she pulls the gun on him and he's like all right, I'll make it easy for you. Go ahead and shoot. You'll only be doing me a favor. Yep. <laughs> That's a very film noir line. It's a very you line. It's a very me line. It's a very you line. Um, and then when they're there with uh, Renault, mm-hmm. and it's like right before, it's when he pulls the gun on Renault. Yep. But, uh, Louis, I wouldn't like to shoot you, but if you take one more step, I will. <laughs> And my absolute favorite line of the whole movie is the same as yours. Of all the gin joints and all the towns and all the world, she walks into mine. 
Oh, so such a good line. It's and the opening line to a book, in my opinion. It is. Oh, and that line is so powerful and so prominent. It echoes through cinema. Through oh my god. It is that is if any line other than here's looking at you, kid. That line is what's going to make this film remembered forever. I think I've heard that specific line in a movie where the guy goes, of all the bars in all the world, you had to walk in here. Yeah. And it harkens me back to, oh my God, that's like a direct twisted modern quote of that. I love it. People have reiterated and reused lines from this movie ever since this came out. Time and time again. I love it. It never gets old. You always know what it's harkening back to. <laughs> Does it work? Yo, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. It works on several different stories. Now that you've pointed it out, thanks. <laughs> it it works. Flat. No explanation. It works. Yet again, I agree. This... We need to disagree on something. We will eventually. <laughs> um, this movie works if you like golden age cinema it's not gonna work it's not gonna work for modern because there's holes in this for modern day yes most modern viewers unfortunately are gonna have the same fight i did about her and him communication that's the biggest one that's a huge plot hole huge but back then secrecy was key in a world war ii world so do you recommend it Absolutely. It might to me be kind of a boring film in my eyes, but timeless. It's a classic. If you like golden age cinema, this is a good one to watch. Even if you're like, oh, I'm in the mood for something different. Here you go. This is different. It's not fast paced. It's something you can put on. I would recommend. And this is, this is, this is like telling for right now, but maybe it's because of it. This is the movie that oh shit, I got like 15 people's gifts to wrap and I need to like put something on. Put this on with a glass of wine while you're wrapping gifts and having a quick dinner on Christmas Eve or maybe a couple days before. This is the perfect movie. It's got parts where you can like kind of look away and not really pay attention, but there are parts that you're just going to want to be like, get your wine glass and be like, oh yeah, I'm going to, this is great. Like that's what I recommend it for. It's a rainy day film. It's a nice film to snuggle up on a couch and just watch and experience this beautiful piece of cinema that they don't make this type anymore. Um, I definitely recommend it as a fan of film in mm. general. Uh, this is, it's a piece of history. Like you need to see it if you call yourself a film buff. Yes. Uh, I recommend it to people who love romance or yeah, um, maybe a little bit of war. Yeah, it's got like elements that of war. Historical. Uh, fi- if you love film noir, yeah. Watch this. Um, I don't recommend this to someone who only watches YouTube videos or who is. Who, whose introduction to film was the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, yeah, this is going to, yeah, this is going to, it's going to bore you. It is, but it's not the film's fault. It's the fast pace of the world we live in now. Yes. That's all. Like, honestly, I don't know if I'd recommend this to your little sister, Abigail. She might find this boring, but you bet your ass I'm going to be like, you should watch this film. Uh, 
And it's unfortunate that I can't recommend it to younger viewers because a lot of people just will find it dull. But nostalgia is coming back in a big way. It is. So maybe there might be this kind of niche group of people that love nostalgia. Recommendations for this one. If you love nostalgic, I mean really going far back, classic. Always give the classics a try. And I would say this has popped in my head. If you're a film student... If you're studying yes. cinematography, if you're studying the art of filmmaking, this is a great one to do some sort of project with. That's a uh, that's a good point. I recommend this to if you like black and white films, mm. if you like that visual look that comes with film noir or um golden age cinema, like mm. this is a prime example of how beautiful some of these movies can be yeah uh the way they play with light and shadow they didn't have colors to play perfectly it's it's immaculate um how would you make this today it's your fault it really is i would go with probably victor and ilsa's story I would twist it and turn it where the story with Rick is a small part of their love story. I would start with when they met, when they fell in love, how they got torn apart. Rick's would only be like a 15 minute blip, how they got to Lisbon, how they got to America, maybe where they are now. If she checked up on Rick, if she checked up on what happened in Morocco and Casablanca. I, um, I would never retell this story the way it is yeah. here. Um, I think this is absolutely perfect the way it is. However, if I were to see something done with Casablanca now, mm. I would either approach it from telling the story in a very different perspective like that, mm-hmm. or I would, te- like many other things these days, I would tackle it, uh, tackle it as a limited series and do the whole story start to finish heavily embellished on like build upon what's there Mm. and just fully flesh out every moment in its entirety to really make it impactful to really sell it home I would probably still use this structure as the jumping off point Mm. but then the way that we have that one big flashback sequence I would have several throughout the series that like told you more of Ilsa and Victor's backstory and like really built upon their relationship I'd even probably follow them to America yeah uh that's probably how I would do it if I had to Mm. but I don't think it ever should be done is this exploitation or other nope this is not you're right. It's not exploitation. This is definitely other. It's a film noir romance. I won't deny that a lot of film noirs and stuff probably showed in grindhouse cinemas at some point, but I don't. Know I don't if this think would. this one was. Um, much more lower budget ones. For yeah. Example. Like Dick Tracy. <laughs> Dick Tracy. Don't even get me started. <laughs> um. Do you have any other thoughts on this film? Nope. 
glad we covered this one. I'm glad we went far back in classics. Um, I'm ready to come back to a little bit more modern. This one and Meet Me in St. Louis, not going to lie, classics, hard to get through. Um, yeah, I think that this, it was really nice to come back to this film after so many years. Mm. Um, it's definitely one I've wanted to revisit, and I'm glad that we did. Mm. I've definitely gained a much deeper appreciation for the film as well as the actors in mm. it and the performances and every honestly every element yeah um but i think our discussion has come to an end john um don't go anywhere stay tuned for the coming attractions <laughs> John Carpenter's The Fog. This is KB Antonio Bay. Stevie Wayne here. And let me be the first to wish Antonio Bay a happy birthday. We're 100 years old today. And keep a watch out for that fog bank heading in from the east. 100 years ago, between midnight and one, something unknown came out of the fog. Now it has returned. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> 100 years ago, between midnight and one, something unnatural came out of the fog. Now, it has returned. One hundred years ago, between midnight and one, something evil came out of the fog. Now, it has returned. Who's there? The fog. Antonio Bay has a curse on it. We're all cursed. There's no water getting near, but something awful cold, Ben. I think I'll go to Vancouver now. Where's the fog now? Well, it should be right outside my door now. Oh, there's something different about this fog. Damn, stay away from the door! Someone listen to me! Get inside and lock your doors. Close your windows. There's something in the fog. Stay away from the fog. Creator of Halloween, the ultimate experience in terror and suspense. John Carpenter's The Fog, starring Adrian Barbeau, Jamie Lee Curtis, John Houseman, Janet Lee as Kathy Williams, and Hal Holbrook as Father Malone. The Fog. What you can't see won't hurt you. It will kill you. Between midnight and one, it will find you. We're here, Leah. 
We're here. We are doing a John Carpenter movie. Oh, God, this is probably the happiest day of your life. I do not know what you just watched. All I know is Jamie Lee Curtis is in this movie and there's fog. I don't know anything. This is a blind one for me. This is this is one of my favorite of John Carpenter's filmography. I very much enjoy this film for what it is. Mm. I have a lot of factoids and tidbits that I know about it that most others won't. He's so excited. Uh, John Carpenter is one of my favorite directors of all time. So while we're watching this, are we going to have the John Carpenter special? Do you need to go down to Cumbies and grab us a pack of cigarettes? And do I need to crack open the wine? <laughs> no. Do we need to sit here and be like, yeah, let's watch this film. <laughs> I mean, I think you might like it for what it is. I like Jamie Lee Curtis. I've always liked her movies. It's sad to say growing up, one of my favorite movies is Freaky Friday. <laughs> oh, God. Then he made me watch Halloween. Total opinion change. <laughs> and I was very surprised at some of the factoids that you've told me about this film. And that I found out about this film. Even though I know nothing about this film. <laughs> I'm excited. I hope you guys are excited. I don't know what you watched. I'm not watching the trailer. We're just going to... I'm just going to turn it on. So, yeah. Total blind reaction, Sean. I think it's going to be a fun one. <laughs> I hope it's going to be a fun one. I hope so. That wraps up this episode. Uh, if you want movie recommendations, coffee recommendations, if you want to check out our film collection, see some behind the scenes, or just chat with us, find us on Facebook and Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast. Uh, we are on Twitter at Grindhouse Cast. Go chat with Leah on our Discord, also at Grindhouse Podcast. Yeah. Um, for uh, if you're listening to us, uh, give us five stars on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your morning fix. Um, new episodes release first thing every Monday morning. Um, if you're just listening to the podcast and you'd like a more visual experience, subscribe to us on YouTube, where you can get every single episode in its entirety with video. Hi, Dad. I don't even know if he knows I have a podcast yet. <laughs> if you like what we're doing and you want to show us some support, you can find all that information down below. We have a Patreon uh, with, I think, some fun little reward tiers. That I'm really excited about the Patreon reward tiers. We actually just got those solidified a little while ago. And I think... Uh, it gives you a chance to help us out and get some really cool extra stuff that I think you're going to like. Yeah. Until next week, I'm Sean. And I'm Leah. Thanks for listening and keep watching.
the shocking nature of many scenes in this film, it is definitely not recommended for the squeamish. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.